The peace of Christ be with you. Let's stand and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this Thanksgiving Sunday morning. There is a friendship pad on each row, and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know you're here, whether you're visiting with us or whether you're regularly with us. The announcements in the life of the church are in the bulletin. You can see that today at 4 o'clock, our interfaith service is right here. There will be lots of people here from the city. Our choir will be singing as part of that. And because this is Hunger and Homelessness Month, we encourage you to come to that service and to bring canned goods or other dry goods, something non-perishable that we can use for the food bank. So that's this evening at 4 o'clock, early evening at 4 o'clock. Also today, the giving tree begins over in Tankersley Hall. You can take a tag off the giving tree and bring a gift that would be for somebody in the Friendship Shelter or at La Playa. If you uh, would like to bring us some cookies to help feed the town on hospitality night, we are feeding the whole city. Um, everybody comes to the Rose Garden to eat our, usually we have over a thousand cookies out there and we need donations. You can sign up on the cart today to bring homemade cookies on December 7th for hospitality night. The choir is leaving this week to sing at Carnegie Hall next Sunday afternoon in New York and then the choir will be back and we'll be presenting a Christmas concert three weeks from today, December 9th in the afternoon. It will be largely Handel's Messiah at that, so you won't want to miss it. The book talk next book is announced in here as Bear Town. I've started listening to it. It is a, a book about hockey in a small town and that there are just a few copies left out on the patio if you'd like to get one of those today. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray together. Our gracious God, we are grateful that you meet us here, even in a world that's full of turmoil and trouble and tragedy. We are grateful that you invite us into your calming presence when life is particularly difficult and painful. And you invite us into thanksgiving when it doesn't seem we have much to be grateful for. And so gather us together in your presence that we might worship you with strength and energy and hopefulness in spite of everything that we hold on to that can cause us pain. And so meet us here through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Will you join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in your bulletin? Listen, a tumult on the mountains as of a great multitude. Listen, an uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathering together. The Lord of hosts is mustering an army for battle. They come from a distant land, from the end of the heavens. The Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole earth. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. Do not be alarmed. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs.
sing, church. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, the land that is plentiful, the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, when found in the desert place, the walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name.
hear our call to confession. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Let us pray. Power turns and postures and exhibits. It controls and manages and plots. We participate in power. We benefit from power. We are dazzled by power. And more than a little afraid. Just underneath all the while, just underneath dazzling power, sits violence and brutality, greed and fear and envy, cunning and shamelessness. In In that, that too, we participate. Like the ancients, we also live double lives, public and pageant and role and office, hidden in meanness and thinness. We do not do well at bringing this double together, but we confess you to be Lord of all our lives. Give us new freedom about our public lives. Give us new candor about our hidden lives. Correct what is brutal and greedy and fearful. Chasten what is hidden and mean. Make Make us women and men of shalom the kind kind of of welfare welfare you will for for our common lives. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. Hear now the good news. May Almighty God, who caused light to shine out of darkness, shine in our hearts, cleansing us from all our sins and restoring us to the light of the knowledge of God's glory. In the face of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in Christ we are forgiven and made whole. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
the fall of 2008, I was going through a particularly difficult time. You might say all hell was breaking forth in my life. In the midst of that, the youth ministry of the church where I was, National Presbyterian Church, gave me this orange stole. So for me, this is a stole of Thanksgiving for this time of year when all hell breaks loose. I hope that you have something in your life that you can lean into as a symbol for God's goodness when life is turning bad. For that's what we have here in Mark chapter 13. It is the depth of the turmoil that Jesus was experiencing himself as he faced the cross and realized that the whole world was going to go through terrible, terrible times. And so in this service, we literally are talking about moving from high anxiety, deep trouble, to thanksgiving. That is a strange movement for Thanksgiving Sunday, isn't it? But it may be not so strange when we look at the life of Jesus. We look at the photo on the front of your bulletin and realize that Southern California has been recently through a terrible time of stress, as well as Northern California with the fires. Added to that, the massacre in Thousand Oaks, and a lot of people have been through very, very dark times. And so it seems appropriate that we talk about apocalyptic literature. Chapter 13 of Mark is the, considered the little apocalypse of the New Testament. Like Daniel and Revelation... It is the unveiling of what happens when all hell breaks loose and God finally shows up. It is eschatology, the study of what happens in the end and all the temptations that go with it. So let us now listen to the first part of Mark chapter 13. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher! What large stones and what large buildings? Actually, the word large is not there in the Greek. It says, what stones? What buildings? Then Jesus asked him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be torn down. And when Jesus was seated on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. One of the great understatements of the New Testament. This must take place, 
But the end is still yet to come. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. There will be fires. There will be massacres. But this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The word of the Lord. When all hell is breaking loose, don't be alarmed. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. If you're caught in a deadly fire, calm down. Keep alert. Keep awake. Don't be fooled. A week ago on Friday night, I was in the hospital suddenly through emergency, having been told that my heart was a flutter. That's not with love, that is with offbeat experience. It was a horrendous night, one of the worst nights of my life. Not only was my heart fluttering, my gut was in great pain, my neck was in great pain. It was so extreme in the middle of the night they had to give me morphine in order to deal with the pain. And in the middle of all that, I had the nurses say to me, calm down, don't be afraid. (laughs) Easy for you to say. They also said, don't worry about it. You're in a bed that has got artificial intelligence. It will take care of you. Hmm, that always causes me a little concern just by itself. Well, when I got into that bed, you know, one of my biggest concerns is the length of a bed. (laughs) And fortunately, this bed was long enough. There was space for my feet and for my whole body. Let me tell you, that in and itself is good news and a miracle. I was told that the bed had automatic adjustments. It literally adjusted to my height and my length. And it was long enough. They also said, look, this bed comes equipped with all sorts of push buttons. You can control how you uh, are organized in the bed. And you have call buttons on each side. You can get a hold of the nurses anytime you want. I thought, great. And then I tried to get to sleep. Didn't work very well. Finally, in the middle of the night, I did fall asleep for a little while after the morphine. But I woke up suddenly and realized that there were guardrails on both sides of my bed and I could not get out. And I did not know how to let those guardrails down. Now, you don't know this about me, but I am a little claustrophobic. So when I feel trapped, I become anxious. And I felt trapped. And so I said, okay, well, I have these little call buttons on the side. I'm going to call the nurse. And I pushed the call buttons on both sides, and it didn't work. So not only was I trapped in bed, nobody knew I was trapped in bed. And I couldn't get a hold of anybody. It was the middle of the night, and my anxiety level was going up. And then I noticed something even more traumatic. My bed had shortened down, there was not enough space for me. (laughs) 
It had in its uh, automatic intelligence decided to reduce its size. (laughs) So finally I pushed myself down to the end of the bed beyond the guardrails and sat up on the side and an alarm system went off. (laughs) God help us for those beds. The alarm system went off and the nurse called me and said, are you trying to get out of bed? I said, yes. You can't do that. I said, why not? Because that bed will not let you go. (laughs) I got to tell you, it's getting darker and darker in that room. It's only in retrospect that I can laugh about this. I found out a little bit later when the technician came in that when the electricity goes off in the bed, it automatically shrinks and all the buttons go off, but except for the alarm button that says you're trying to escape. <laughs> when all hell's breaking loose, some voice comes out and says, why are you trying to escape? Don't be alarmed. When Jesus was up on the Mount of Olives, and he was looking down from the Mount of Olives on the Temple Mountain, which is about 2,500 feet above sea level. He on the Mount of Olives was at 2,700 feet above sea level. And he was looking down over the temple and saying, you know, this temple's going to be gone. Prophecy has it that Jesus is coming back and will stand on the Mount of Olives above the temple, more important than the temple. The temple will be gone. Jesus will be there in eternity. Because Jesus is the true, full temple of God. It's hard to hear that kind of news when your life is falling apart. Particularly when that temple is absolutely gorgeous. 150 feet high at its highest place, 150 feet wide, like a 15-story building. It is solid marble, and it's covered with gold. So on a sunshiny day, which many of them were, the gold would literally reflect for miles and miles. One of the wonders of the world that Herod had built. Some of those stones were 500 tons. That's a lot of rock in one place. The insides were silver and gold and purple and crimson. Gorgeous colors. And Jesus is saying to people who love the architecture and beauty of that place, it's going to be totally destroyed after millions and millions and millions of dollars have been spent. This sanctuary will come to a time when it will be totally destroyed. Institutions that we love and we've invested in, organizations and systems that we love and invested in, will come to a place where they no longer have a reason to exist and will be destroyed. Human organizations come and go. Human buildings come and go. 
But this text says that God's presence and word stands forever. And there is the center of our hope when all hell is breaking loose. My Pentecostal background used to have a lot to say about Mark chapter 13 and Revelation and the book of Daniel, the eschatological, predictable, prophetic passages of Scripture. And then when I left the Pentecostal tradition because of the theology of the Holy Spirit, I went into the Bible church tradition, and they had even more to say about the prophecies in Mark 13. But here's the interesting thing. Mark 13 clearly says to the disciples, you'll never know when it's coming. And the Pentecostal and Bible church traditions are always trying to figure out when it's going to happen. Beware of people who are always trying to figure out when it's going to happen. That's the reason why I say, you know, we Presbyterians are not pre-trib or post-trib or pre-millennialists or post-millennialists. We are pan-millennialists. We believe it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> I says, well, that's kind of cheap, isn't it? No. It means we're really serious about Jesus is coming back and is going to make the world right, but we don't have a clue when that's going to happen. That's the reason I became a Presbyterian. We don't have a clue. <laughs> there are some people who would say, that's exactly right. You don't have a clue, <laughs> Presbyterians. And there are many here in this room that would identify with what I'm saying. If you don't know what a pre-trib, post-trib is, don't trib over it, okay? There are two great views of the world that we struggle with in Orange County. One is the Reformed view that we Presbyterians support. The other one is the dispensational view that many other evangelical Christians buy into. Let's just say that we Christians have very different views of how it's all going to play out. And people argue with each other and criticize each other over these different views. But here's what I'm committed to and I encourage you to be committed to. Do what Jesus says to do. Don't be alarmed, but you're never going to know when it's coming. And how do you live with both of those at the same time? They're kind of disconnected, aren't they? Life can get tough, but you don't know when it's coming. You don't know when you're going to end up in the hospital overnight in a shrinking bed. <laughs> Terrible tragedy can hit your life, and you don't know what's coming. And this is the good news that Jesus mentions at the point where life is really terrible. Oh, don't worry about it. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Thanks a lot, Jesus. I think I'm losing my microphone. Maybe it's I'm losing my mind, I don't know. We are in the midst of times when we recognize, even more so each day, how tragic life can be. But we hear the words of Jesus in the midst of all that, don't be alarmed. That word alarm is literally in the Greek, thraeo, which means don't be thrown off by how terrible life can be. Don't be put off course. Don't become worried or anxious. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be distracted. 
Don't become untethered. Stay connected to God and the people whom God loves. The second important word is don't let anyone lead you astray. It's planeo, which means planet. The image is that those planets out there are on their own and they've been cut loose. Well, there's a scary thought. But we know that planets circle around a gravitational pole of a primary sun. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Don't get cut loose. Stay in your orbit around your primary authority of reality. Don't get thrown off. Don't get cut loose. There is a gravitational pull in your life and stay connected. Beware of the people who want a blueprint for what God's going to do in the future. There is no blueprint. There's only trust in the living God who's going to get us through. Even Jesus did not know what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. Now, if Jesus didn't know, do you think we're going to know? Not a fat chance. God only knows. We are tempted to be the disciples who are asking the question, Lord, you told us that the temple is going to be crumbled. Uh, when is this going to happen? What are the signs that are going to lead us into that? And Jesus says, I don't know the time. I don't know the signs. Please, please remember that and not be led astray who want you to think that you can predict it. Jesus refuses to speculate. Jesus does say life, it could be hard, but it's going to get harder. Have you been in those moments where life is hard and somehow it just gets harder? That's exactly where Jesus knows you're going to live. And what do we hold on to? The powerful, gracious presence of God in the midst of all hell breaking loose. The words of Jesus, the temple's going to be destroyed. There are many unanswered questions. There are going to be false prophets and false messiahs. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nations going to be against nations. Earthquakes, famines, fires, floods, hot and cold extremities. Hatred, abuse, family betrayal, desolation, terrible suffering. Heaven and earth will pass away. Wow, that's a lot of good news. That's chapter 13 of Mark. No, here's the good news in the midst of it. Beware. Don't be led astray. Don't be alarmed. Don't worry. Because the Son of Man will come again. Keep alert and keep awake. How hard it is to keep alert when life is chaos. You notice how hard it is to be focused when life is chaotic? Jesus calls us to a kind of spiritual discipline that goes beyond ordinary practice. Stay alert and awake 
when life is chaos. That doesn't come easily, by the way. That comes with a lot of practice. This year, in 2018, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Mr. Rogers. And welcome to the neighborhood. And there's a movie that's out to documentary that's considered one of the best movies of 2018. Won't You Be My Neighbor? A therapist reviewed the movie and remembered Mr. Rogers because she grew up with Mr. Rogers. And she cried through the entire movie. She said, I understand this. I am literally a professional. I don't cry in the midst of these kinds of things. She says, then I realized it touched every nerve that I've been holding back for decades. Because I know all the pain that people are in. She sees people in growing anxiety, depression, trauma, bullying, polarization, abuse, addiction. And what did Mr. Rogers do? He showed us a way to pay attention, to stay alert, not be distracted, and to value human beings to the youngest of the young. He modeled problem-solving, adult care for kids who were going through all sorts of difficulties. But Mr. Rogers would talk about it, and one of his favorite statements, whatever is mentionable can be more manageable. Let's talk about it. That's one thing Jesus did. He didn't have a solution. He didn't try to get us out of it. He said there's no escape clause, but he didn't hesitate to talk about all hell breaking loose. And you can find the strength not to be distracted by it. And so we celebrate Mr. Rogers. Why? Because he was not overcome by fear or anxiety. He showed us a way of calm in a growing age of anxiety. In the great fire that recently hit Paradise, California, there was a trash truck operator who was just running his normal course of the neighborhood collecting trash. And the fire started coming over the mountain. And he realized, I'm no longer just collecting trash. I'm looking for my neighbors to collect anybody who's left behind. And he looked as he collected trash for anyone left behind. He found a 93-year-old woman who he had known for eight years, and he picked her up. She was just coming off a broken back, could barely get into the truck. And together they drove through the fire into safety. That kind of calm, that kind of commitment to value humanity is what Jesus is looking for for the disciples to practice when all hell breaks loose. As Mr. Rogers would say when his mother said, when life is really hard, look for the ones who are helping others in the midst. That's how people of faith deal with the pain. Stephen Colbert this past week revealed that at the age of 22, growing up as a Catholic, he had lost his faith. He'd become an atheist. 
He had given himself over to anxiety and fear that there was no purpose in the world, there was no God, and that it was meaningless. And he was wandering the streets of Chicago in the freezing cold. And somebody passed by and handed him a little New Testament. In order to open that New Testament, he had to literally crack the pages because of the freezing cold. And he opened to Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And it changed his life. He says, I've never been the same since opening that New Testament. And he read these words of Jesus, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And he's no longer anxious or fearful. He now believes in a God who will sustain him and sustain others in the midst of chaos. Remember the important words that the Apostle Paul says to the Philippian church as we come up on Thanksgiving in the midst of all of these dark things. Do not worry about anything. But everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the shalom, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be alarmed. Now, lest you think that's a cheap answer, let me end this sermon by saying, that is hard work to get to that place of not being alarmed when all hell's breaking loose. If you find someone like that, stay close to them because they've earned that faithful pattern through difficult times. One of the great marks of leadership that we've discovered in the last several years is the mark of being calm in the face of anxiety and treacherous, chaotic times. When you find a leader like that, hang on to them. That's Jesus. And that's the way God works. Lord, help us to walk in your way when life gets really hard. Let us pray. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, these are hard words to live into, but you can help us. Help us find the spiritual discipline of low anxiety and calm, of shalom, when people are going into high anxiety and fear. Help us to live there where you live, in spite of all that can go wrong. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith together. You will find our responsive reading in your bulletin. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. Peoples shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
He shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God. But, but we, we will walk, walk in, the in the name of the Lord, Lord our God, God forever, forever and ever. Let us be seated. When the earth shakes and buildings fall, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on, on us, us, Lord. When the skies grow dark and fire drives us from our homes, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When our bodies falter, and our minds grow confused, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When the seas rise and our rivers poison the land, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When deceivers come and the nations rise in anger, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When we take our stand for your truth, and our people are arrested, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When the sun is darkened and the moons fail to give us light, and when the stars fall from the sky, then we pray, have, have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. When you come in your great power and glory with your angels from heaven, then we pray, Lord, Gather us from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, to be with you forever and ever. Amen. Let us bring to the Lord our morning offering. You who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler you will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. My dwelling place is God most high, my refuge and my fortress when plague and pestilence draw nigh 
I'm hidden in his presence when terrors fall and arrows fly his shield will be my safety when storms across my pathway lie on angels wings I'm carried my dwelling place is God most high a present help in danger I rest secure in love's pure light beneath my master's favor he freed me from the fowler's snare where sin and shame had bound me deceived I'd made my refuge there till fearless he came for me dwelling place is God most high I'll never seek another for I am his and he is mine my heart he'll keep forever I know the name on whom I call he promises to answer my life he satisfies my soul and crowns me with his pleasure.
Let us pray. God of grace and mercy, we sing you our praises, we recite our confessions, and we are built up in faith by your word. And now we offer our commitment in response to your love. Accept what we give you as a sign of our obedience and bless our effort as we seek to be faithful for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we sing together, Rejoice, ye pure in heart. Rejoice, church. Do not be alarmed. Rejoice, ye pure in heart. Rejoice, ye Again, hear the words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, like Mr. Rogers, be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So when you feel like your world is collapsing in on you and your bed is shrinking overnight, <laughs> call out to the God who wants to be a calm presence in your life and learn not to be driven by anxiety, but to be a servant calming presence for others in the midst of the chaos. Go in the grace, mercy, love, and low anxiety of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.